please work. Please, Mr. Internet. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Internet, bring me some streams. Make them the coolest that I've ever seen. <laughs> Give them two bars like there should be. <laughs> the way he is thrusting his cell phone at the roof of the studio. And tell me, please, that I have Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, my God. Internet, I'm so alone. <laughs> Can't really get you to come through my phone. <laughs> Please turn on your magic beam. Mr. Internet, get me some streams. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where it's all for one and one for all. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering the 1998 pseudo-historical? Let's just call it an action drama film. An action drama film? That's what Wikipedia calls it. We are covering The Man in the Iron Mask. Yay! Oh <laughs> my goodness. You could not sound any more disenthused. Listen, this movie I both love and both laugh at. Oh no, we love to cringe, right? We do. Don't kill the part of you that is cringe. <laughs> kill the part that cringes. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. If you're not already a little onion at the $5 level over on our Patreon, you should totally check it out. Give us your money. Our first coverage, Golden Girls, has come out. Yes, guys, please go enjoy that. On our Patreon, we are covering all sorts of other extra fun, lovely things for you. We're doing television. We're doing special episodes. We're doing maybe some things outside of the timeline here on Kicking and Streaming. Yeah, it's going to be a great party, guys. Guys, sorry we missed you last week. Hope you enjoyed our rerun of another, the only other Kings and Knights piece we could find to rerun. Except it was a queen. Guys, it's just been a bad month, and we <laughs> took a week. Yeah, you know? if we had to. You were in no shape. Abso- neither one of us were in any shape. <laughs> no, we were not. <laughs> Don't lay this all on me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get started. I'm a young king, but I am king. Then be a good king. In an era of revolution... Your Majesty, there are riots in Paris. The next time there are rioters, shoot them. By royal decree... One man's past was erased. If anyone sees, just death. His appearance concealed... Wear it until you die in it! And his name remained a mystery. He's you. Until men of courage. When we were young men and we saw injustice, we fought it. Louis is the dog. I have not yet lost faith that he may become the king we all wish him to be. Why do you follow him? Why? You will hunt down Porthos, Athos, and Aramis and bring me their heads, or I will have yours. Made a choice. You will burn in hell. No, my love, I will not, for I am king, ordained by God. I have raised a son who destroys lives. It's judgment day. Between loyalty... You cannot ask me to betray my king. 
I've sworn an oath. You're the traitor and treason. What do you propose to do? Replace the king. From the Academy Award-nominated writer of Braveheart, United Artists Pictures presents... Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, Gerard Depardieu, Gabriel Byrne. I train these men. They will fight to the death. But if we must die, let it be like this. One for all, all for one. The Man in the Iron Mask. I love that our microphone is sitting on top of two books. The bottom, which of one is The Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas? No, that was wild. Ross was like, I've always wondered what books this mic is sitting on. Because it's always dark in here and I can't see the titles. And then he turned the flashlight on and one of them is The Three Musketeers. Like, we did not plan that. Which is some source material for our project here today. All right. Are, are you are you ready, Ross's History Corner? Okay, listen. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be concise about this. So, our screenwriter and our director here today is Mr. Randall Wallace. Hi, Randy. Hi, Randy. I don't know a lot of your work, but he is notable for this, of course. He did um Secretariat in 2010 about the horse. Oh my god. That won the Triple Crown. I think was that the horse that was on drugs? I don't know. I bet they all are. I don't know. The, the horse I, I really don't know. Anyway, Randy, you're all over the place, but what is this? Because we've we've enjoyed this film since we were children, but watching it with our 2020 vision... <laughs> this movie's kind of bad. It, I mean, a little bit. It's only a little bad. It's only, it's only a little cringe. Hardly anyone's French. <laughs> I think there are two French people. There's three. There's three. three. Three French actors and actresses. Christine, the Queen, and Gaspard Devereaux, or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. Oh. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. I love saying his name, Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu. I took one semester of French. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It made a shit ton of money, and you know that has everything to do with the Leo DiCaprio. Oh, I know! Because Titanic was fresh! Oh, no, yeah. This is one year after Titanic, so this is... This is peak Leo. Yeah, this is near the end of when you and I stop acknowledging Leo. <laughs> R.I.P. Leo. I'm so sad he died in 2001. Oh man. Because like this, like literally all Leo after the millennium, I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know. No. Our source material here today is from Alexandre Dumas. Um, he wrote three novels. These novels are apparently huge, like so long. Like the- well, obviously, it's why I picked one of them to sit the mic on top of because it added the extra height. <laughs> the specific story that this is based off of, the Man in the Iron Mask, uh, or at least what most of the material for the film is taken from today, is the Vicomte of Bragelonni. Yeah, it's one of the sequels to the Three Musketeers. It's still following D'Artagnan. That was the thing I never grasped growing up: is that D'Artagnan is the star of the Three Musketeers, not Aramis Athos and Porthos. Yeah, like, the, these are the D'Artagnan romances, as they're known. In, oh my goodness. In Alexandre Dumas' work. I wish I'd kept up with French long enough to get to that part of it. This story's from, like, 1847 to 1850, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it all takes place 
in the 17th century in France during the reign of King Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King. The the Musketeers are, of course, the illustrious valiant guard in France at the time. There are knights in this week's theme. Indeed, knights and kings, knights and kings, <laughs> knights and kings, <laughs> knights and bad kings. Thanks again for the theme, Luke. <laughs> we appreciate that. It's been a nice through line. So, folks, you might have guessed it, but we have names. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming in his second appearance, Mr. Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> no. Oh, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Mr. Leo, I want an Oscar DiCaprio. Oh my God. Guys, you will remember him from our Titanic coverage like two years ago. He's also in The Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, which is a movie that messed me up royal. What's Eating Gilbert Grape, the- <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> Gangs of New York. Catch me if you can. Oh my god. Revolutionary Road. Oh, I forget about that one. With Kate Winslet. Uh, please welcome to Kicking and Streaming, and I don't know if this is his first appearance or not, but who cares at this point? Mr. Jeremy Irons. Oh, guys, he's playing Aramis today, mm-hmm. one of the three musketeers. We recently saw him in the theater as... <laughs> One of the Gucci's in House of Gucci. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Another movie where hardly anyone's Italian. <laughs> and, like, he's also famous for being the voice of Scar in Lion King, uh, Madam Butterfly, which I had to watch in theater class in college, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Jeremy Irons is also another Mr. British Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. He is a total Shakespeare nut. He's known for his work at Bristol Old Vic Theater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he's done... All of them, you know, he's done Macbeth, Much Ado, Taming of the Shrew. He's famous for being Richard II. He's in a film version of The Merchant of Venice with Al Pacino. Oh, really? Yeah, we are going to have to cover that as well. Please welcome to Mr. Kicking and Streaming. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mr. John Malkovich. What's going on, John? You don't belong here, John. What's with the performance? Like, his, his acting is good. It's It's his presence. He's obviously John Malkovich. He's not being anybody else but John Malkovich, and it's almost distracting. You might know him from things such as being John Malkovich (laughs) from 1999. What the hell is that? He was also in Red, Dangerous Liaisons, Johnny English, Of Mice and Men, Burn After Reading, Please welcome to Kicking and Streaming in his first and probably only appearance, <laughs> Mr. Gaspar Devereaux. No. Gerard Depardieu. Yes, Gerard Depardieu. I was kind enough in my notes for Ross's benefit to include a picture. I'm of... not looking at your notes. Please show me. Hey! <laughs> it's a picture of Gerard Depardieu wow. as a young man. Oh, he's f- oh, he's so cute. <laughs> he's probably dirty, though. <laughs> Oh no, France, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Americans are way dirtier than French people. <laughs> oh my god. There are Americans that have never washed their ass and they're 45 years old. Because they think that it's gay. I, I can't. I hate it here. <laughs> I absolutely hate it here. You will know Gerard Depardieu from French things. Oh yeah, lots of French stuff. He is a French actor. He was in a production of Cyrano de Bergerac. This is the only thing I recognize. Hey, he was also uh, Ronaldo in Hamlet. Oh, the long-ass Kenneth Branagh Hamlet? You do realize that the, quote, long-ass Kenneth Branagh version is literally the play Hamlet. It's the unabridged Hamlet. You realize that, right? Sure. (laughs) You do now. Absolutely. Oh, he is in Life of Pi. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. 
Please welcome to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Gabriel Byrne. Oh, God. Guys, you'll know him from The Usual Suspects, the 90s version of Little Women. We talked about Simple Twist of Fate a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we did. Yeah, he's in that. I, we need to watch that. I know. I, I, I like that movie. And then, like, you guys will recognize him most recently from Hereditary. I think he's the dad in Hereditary. We have Anne per- Perilaud. Paraloud? Periaud? Paraloud? I'm so sorry, madame. I'm so sorry. She is playing the queen mother today, Anne Pariald. Anne of Austria. Yeah, Anne of Austria. Uh-huh. She's a very lovely lady. Uh, we also have Judith Godrech. Oh, yeah. Godrich. <laughs> One of the only other French actresses in this film. Um, She is known again for French things. <laughs> I don't recognize a single thing she's been in. Uh, I think it would be hilarious to hear you try and pronounce some of them. No. <laughs> no, we're I, not going to do that. I don't think I will. <laughs> we have Peter Sarsgaard. Hey. I know you love Peter Sarsgaard. I know him from things like Orphan and Flight Plan, two movies I love very dearly. The Skeleton Key, which is just a whole mess. He's in Boys Don't Cry. That's right! He's the murderer in Boys Don't Cry. Oh, God. That's the thing, Peter Sarsgaard, he's always creeping me out. Oh, always. He's a Gyllenhaal, too. Is he really? He's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, my God! Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Guys, we have some honorable mentions um, coming back this week. Laura Frazier. Hi, Laura! She's not even credited. <laughs> no, she's just one of the ladies of the bedchamber. Laura Frazier was with us at our first coverage this month, and she was in... Uh, a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale, and she's been with us before when we covered Iron John Angel. She was Dora Stevens. Yeah, bless her soul. There's also Eddie Adderton. He was in uh, He was in Charmed and Firefly. Yeah, uh, I remember that. He's also an alias. Um, and also... <laughs> Dr. Greg House himself. (laughs) Hugh Laurie's here. He's one of the many advisors to the Sun King. And another fun little casting bit, um, Gerard Depardieu, Anne Pelliard, and Judith Godrech. I'm so sick with myself about the pronunciation of their names. But they, as the only French actors, dubbed themselves in the French version of the film. Aw. Yeah, that's sweet. All right, we we have to get through this. Yes, we do. Guys, uh, today's gonna mostly be fun, um, but trigger warning for death by suicide. Yes. Like, uh, for the most part, it's not gonna be that tough, but uh, there there are gonna be some rough parts here, so just be forewarned. And also for, mon- for monarchical assault and rape. Oh yeah, that too. Oh god, I forgot. It's okay. So we start out with some voiceover, don't we? Yeah. This is this is Aramis. This is Jeremy Irons. Yeah, he and his dramatic narration about this unknown prisoner record that was found in the Bastille. We get this scene in this absolutely depraved French prison where the man in the iron mask is being held. Some of this is legend, but at least this much is fact. When rioting citizens of France destroyed the Bastille, They discovered within its records this mysterious entry. Prisoner number 64389000, the man in the iron mask. This unidentified man who has just been confined as part of his punishment to this iron mask. What did he do? Can you imagine? What did he do? It must itch so bad. I, I can't even. You can't scratch that itch. Stop. Oh my god! I, I, and at the point that we start the movie, he's already been in it for six years. Christ! Six years of itches. <gasps> six year itch. Six. 
that first shot of him in the mask is so funny. Oh my god. Through the door. When he leans over and it's like, hi guys! <laughs> Jeez. We've landed ourselves in, ah, lovely Paris, 1662. King Louis XIV rules, and D'Artagnan rules King Louis XIV. That is not how it works. I mean, kind of, but anyway. <laughs> like, D'Artagnan is the head of the musketeer guard, which is in charge of taking care of the king, right? Yeah. Little, 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 little Ross's history corner, please. <laughs> the way you are holding your hands, like in a triangle shape, Ross's history corner, <laughs> please. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so we're in 1662, right? So King Louis the Fourteenth was king from the time he was a baby until he died in like 1714 or whatever. How do you coronate an infant? I know, <laughs> oh I know. My God. He literally was king for 72 years. He's the longest reigning European monarch in history. You can't say your ABCs but you can run a country? <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II is actually going to surpass him in two years. Oh, wow. Because she's not dying. <laughs> that bitch survived COVID. I know! She's 96 years old. Oh, my God. How are you doing it? Oh my God. What is holding this woman together? together? What the? How, <laughs> How long has that been there? 70 years. 70 years? It's been there 70 years. Oh, God. Um, The Sun King... He's just, he's considered like the last absolutist monarch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where government really wasn't involved in the decisions that were made. He's considered to be like the last huge ruler like that. Okay. In, in Europe. Like without the, you know, influence of other people below him. You know what I mean? Gerard Depardieu plays Porthos, one of our musketeers. Porthos arrives to where Aramis prays, Aramis being another former musketeer, but now is a member of the Jesuit order. Do you know what the name, the official name of the Jesuit order is? I actually do not. It, they're called the Society of Jesus. <laughs> I kind of like that. Which is a Catholic militant order aimed at protecting the Pope and Catholicism and damning all heretics. And guys, if you remember, we also talked about the Jesuits in the Elizabeth episode. Which you probably heard last week as on replay. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, because the Jesuits were just not fans of monarchs who viewed themselves as God's representative on Earth. Yeah, no, there's only one God's representative on Earth, and that's the Pope. <laughs> yeah. His holiness. So the Jesuits were never cool with monarchs who thought they were God. And the thing is, Catholicism runs deep in the French monarchy, but you can kind of view Louis XIV as his own Henry VIII. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's like, mm, this, this Catholic thing, I kind of just want to do what I want. Um, yeah. Kind of tired of going after the Pope. And now Aramis himself is in the service of the Catholic Church. He's a priest. He's like the head priest of the castle. I love that he brings women. With him to see Aramis. <laughs> Porthos does. And Aramis is like, I'm trying to pray. <laughs> and Porthos is like, okay, okay, ladies, he, he, not today. <laughs> not today. He does, he does not want tits today. <laughs> He's trying to pray. <laughs> Please tell me I'm going to get more of the Gerard Depardieu accent. If you saw the tits that just walked out of here. <laughs> Stop praying and revel with me, Aramis. I need my spirits lift. I'm old. I'm weak. My strength is gone. Porthos. Mm. I'm praying. I just said you pray. Are you deaf too? I know you're blind because if you'd seen the tits that just walked out of here, you'd have tears on your eyes. 
<laughs> and he's like, you're always praying. You never want to have an adventure. You are such a steak in the mud. <laughs> yeah, Porthos is absolutely done with him. Porthos has kind of lost his love of life, his strength. His sense of adventure. Oh, he loved being a musketeer. He loved the fighting, the liquor, the women. And now he just kind of feels like he's getting old. Because it used to be, you know, D'Artagnan, Porthos, Aramis, and Athos. Yeah. They were the four musketeers. Whatever. <laughs> you can call it the three musketeers if you want, Dumas. But And now D'Artagnan is the only one who's still working for the king's service. Yeah, he's, ser- he's serving the king. The rest of them are out of it. Because guess what? King Louis Fourteenth was a fuck. <laughs> oh, no. He was kind of evil. He kind of was, as yeah. As an absolutist monarch is. And then who comes to call but D'Artagnan himself? The king has summoned Aramis because, you know, he has a little bit of an inquiry for him. Yeah, he's got a special job for Aramis. And I love when D'Artagnan, when they're parting and D'Art- when they're like, hey, hey. One for one, D'Artagnan. And all for one. I love it. It's their little callback, right? Yeah. All for one and one for all. Like, it's iconic. Um, Athos? Are you going to say Athos? Athos, Athos. Are you married to Athos? Because I'm pretty sure it's Athos. Do you want to do Athos? I want to do Athos. I don't like Athos either. It's like I'm trying to say anus. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Regardless of the reasoning. Athos grows on you, but in... To begin, like, Athos grows on you, but to begin with, I hate him because he's so painfully weird and American, and it's John Malkovich. Yeah, he's our third musketeer, and like you said, it's John Malkovich. I was corrected when we were watching this last time. Like, it's not that his acting's bad. His acting's very good. It's just we're not doing anything in the accent department. We're in France. (laughs) Like, why is no one French? I know, I know. It's not just his fault. He's just the one that sticks out the most because he's so obviously American. Listen to how... Play him. (laughs) I can't listen to it. I can't either. Relax, Raul. After all, you're my son. How could any woman resist you? When will you ask her? Uh, today, as we arrive. Or perhaps when we're leaving. I think of it, I get so confused. He's got a son named Raoul, who is also becoming a musketeer. Yeah, he's a soldier in the French army. His life is going pretty good. He's getting ready to ask his best gal to marry him. Christine Belfort. Oh, Christine. I love a French Christine. And later today, baby Sarsgaard is taking Madame French to... <laughs> I don't know what this palace is that they're shooting at. It's gorgeous. Oh, it sure is. It looks like it might, could be, like, reminiscent of Versailles. It's obviously not Versailles. Yeah. Versailles is much bigger than this palace that we shoot at. I was trying to do some research about the shooting location, and if this is supposed to be an actual location or whatever, I'm just going to call it the palace. Okay, fine. I don't know where they're at. Louis the Sun King's palace. the, the, The Sun Palace. The Sun Palace. Let's do that. I love when we first get the first shot of Louis, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this little queen. <laughs> you know he's just a tight-ass little priss. Oh, do you want to talk about the hair extensions? I love it when we get that first shot of him, and whoever that actor is being his advisor. Your majesty, <laughs> the attack will come at dawn. <laughs> play it, play it, it's laughable. Your majesty, the attack will come at dawn. No, no, do not underestimate the Dutch. These troops will be cut off here, so shift them here and here, and then we outnumber them there. 
okay, maybe Louis is a little bit of a military strategist. The thing about Louis is that he's making his kingdom extremely unhappy by paying all of their money for pointless wars with the Dutch, and consequently, it's ruining his people. They're going hungry. They're they're poor as hell. The food is rotten. Yeah. What and, food is available is rotten. And consequently, everyone kind of hates Louis. Your Majesty. Yellow sash. But as your advisors, we feel it is our... Our duty. Uh, yes. Yes, our duty to inform you that there are riots in Paris. Riots? But Paris is the most beautiful city in the world. Why should my people feel anything but pride and contentment? He just wants to throw his balls around in war. He doesn't give a shit if his people starve. I literally wrote, things are rotten in the state of France, literally. <laughs> oh my god. Um, the Society of Jesus the Jesuits, has deemed Louis' war with the Dutch inhumane and the cause of his people's unhappiness. Okay, the Catholics are right in this regard. <laughs> they are right in this. All right. And the reason Louis has summoned Aramis to his side specifically is because he knows that he's good with the Pope. Yeah. And he's like, I want you to seek out the leader of the Jesuit order who's trying to kill me and kill him first. And Aramis is like, oh, Sure. Okay. I, wore, I wrote, uh-oh, not the Catholic heroism. But, like, guys, the hair extensions. I want to talk about the hair extensions. The evil hair extensions? Yeah, like, Leo DiCaprio still obviously has his Titanic hair. Like, his, yeah, <laughs> his yeah. Jack Dawson haircut. And they've obviously just stuck these weaved extensions up underneath his golden locks. And it's just kind of laughable Le to look at. Leo the weave. Carrie, I literally wrote... Leo as Louis the Fourteenth is kind of laughable, <laughs> but he's also evil enough, yeah. so it works. Yeah, like it's it's painfully not a, American. Yeah, he is also painfully American, but at least he's charming. John Malkovich is not. Yeah, and like as we go on in the movie, we get more of the depth of his acting. But you're right; at the beginning, it is kind of funny. Raoul, little Raoul, little musketeer Raoul just wants to marry Christine. But the problem is she comes within Louis's eyesight at this little <laughs> party he's having. The pig chase party. Oh my God. And I literally wrote, she comes within Louis's eyesight, so she's done. Oh no, yeah. The moment Louis sees her, he just fixates on her. Um, D'Artagnan is obviously Louis's chief of security and is constantly trying to manage him. Yeah. <laughs> I love Louis when he's like, let us play a game. Let us pretend as if I am king and you are the captain of my musketeers. Let us behave as if my wish is law and my wish, D'Artagnan, is to enjoy this party. As should you. Stop breathing down my fucking neck. <laughs> yeah. Go elsewhere. And you go, like, go be somewhere else. And D'Artagnan's like, my lord, Pope, <laughs> he wants you dead. Oh my god. And like, yeah, it's not an incredible threat, right? Because do you want to explain the pig chase real quick? Okay. Louis has tied some sort of diamond pendant to a pig who he's done up to look like a unicorn. Behold, our unicorn. <laughs> that poor piggy. <laughs> that poor piggy. And he's like, okay, everyone at the party, 
chase this, and whoever catches it gets to keep the diamond pendant. And Raul turns to Christine and he's like, I will win the pendant for you. Like, that's literally how they flirted back then. I'm going to go chase this pig down for you so you can have a shiny rock. They chase a piggy to distract them away from Christine. Oh, yeah, because Christine kind of gets cornered. By Louis? Oh, no. When he's turning on all the fountains so she can't walk away? Yeah, because it gets wet. She'll get wet. Christine, isn't it? I would have thought it was impossible, but I do believe the excitement of this chase has made you even more beautiful. Sire, I... Thank you, I'm... You blush. You do not wish to look beautiful for your king? No, sire. I mean, yes, yes, of course, sire. I mean that you are... It's all right. I understand that you're not accustomed to these surroundings. But that is a condition we can happily remedy. You fucking creep. And like he kind of corners her in, I don't know if we're like in a vestibule of he a assault, chapel. He assaults her in a church doorway. Yeah, like <laughs> can you get more on the nose than that? And of course D'Artagnan is never more than 50 yards away. Because he knows that the Jesuits are out to get Louis. And guess what? A Jesuit is. <laughs> a Jesuit disguised as a musketeer comes up to Louis and Christine as he's making a move on her. The fucking sword tossed through the fountain. (laughs) It's so absurd. This sword, like, pinwheels through the fountain and stabs the Jesuit assassin. Right before he stabs Louis. Oh my god, it's absurd. And I love that the Jesuit, with sword in his chest, just looks at Louis, spits at him, and goes, feed your people. And Louis takes the dagger and stabs him, <laughs> killing him. And the look in D'Artagnan's eyes is like, oh, great, asshole. We could have gotten more information out of him, but whatever. He didn't want to hear his sass mouth anymore. The way Louis stabs him and goes, Jesuits. He hates these people. They hate him. I know. It's the feeling is mutual. Mutual. So I love when we cut back to I don't know what the name of this fortress is that the man in the iron mask is being kept in. It's not the Bastille, surely. It's not the Bastille. This prison is all the way at the bottom of France. Okay. Like just at the at the Mediterranean coast of France. Like at the edge of the proverbial world, it's, you might say. It's near Cannes. Yeah. And the, the, the Cannes Film Festival. N- yes. <laughs> of the Cannes Film Festival, yes. I love I love it because you just hear all this metal banging. And we go into his cell, and it's him dragging that mask across the bars. And I'm like, me too, dude. No, like, here's the thing. I don't want to laugh at it, even though it looks very funny. He's just trying to get any stimulation yeah. he can by dragging his head across those bars. And you know, he notices he's got a sky, he's got a skylight in his cell. And he climbs all the way to the top of his cell, and he can barely see the moon. Oh. And I'm God. like, aw, it's like a visitor he has once a month. It's so sweet. It's like his only monthly visitor is the f- is the full moon. Oh my God. I know it's 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 awful. Also, um, the king's mother, Queen Anne, who was a Spanish princess before she married the French king. Hola, ma'am. Yeah, stop. <laughs> Hola, ma'am. Um, she has just she's just been in mourning. For her whole life. 
for her husband, for, you know, one of her children. Yeah. Which we will find out about more <laughs> later. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. And she's just, I think she spends every day in that church. I mean, yeah, she's a person who's constantly, like, giving her devotion back to God. The thing is, Anne will often find a rose just laying around, waiting yeah. for her in the chapel or outside of the chapel. Just waiting for her. Like, like some suitor just placed it there. You know what I really love about the rose? It's got two buds on it. Oh, wow. Yep. Look at you paying attention. <laughs> Put a pin in that. <laughs> cool. Carrie, okay. I can't take Athos seriously. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I know. We've come to the part of the movie where D'Artagnan goes to see Athos because he knows that Louis is scamming on Athos's son's Raoul's girlfriend. Did y'all follow that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he knows that his best buddy's son is going to get cheated out of a relationship with the love of his life simply because the king has his eye on her. And he's going to go explain that to him. But Athos is already getting bad news from Raoul. I've been recalled to my regiment. But that makes no sense. You've already served at the front. Has everyone else been recalled? I believe the king's eye has fallen on Christine. It's true the king has noticed her, but I don't think it has anything to do with her. It has everything to do with it. The king is a dog. Athos. A dog and a coward. And Athos looks directly at D'Artagnan. <laughs> D'Artagnan's like, be, be cool. Be cool. <laughs> Because, uh, like, that's when Athos is like, the king is a dog and a coward. And Raoul's like, and I am neither, so I go. Ooh. D'Artagnan doesn't like that. Oh, no, he don't. D'Artagnan has this unexplainable um, care for Louis. D'Artagnan made his career out of fighting evil, tyrannical leaders. Right? And now he is standing by Louis for a reason that Athos just can't comprehend. I mean, the simplest answer is that he wants Louis to become the leader worth defending. Like, it, it's, it's a two-way street, right? All for one and one for all. D'Artagnan's not getting the one for all from Louis. D'Artagnan just believes that Louis can truly be great with a little bit of working. And Athos is like... You're fucking, you're fucking blind. You're stupid. You like, realize that, right? You're kidding me, right? This is kind of where I start to take Athos seriously, though. Yeah. Because he's saying the right things, even if it is in that weird American accent. <laughs> God. <laughs> also, the riots. Oh. Oh, the people of Paris are so done. Yeah, I have meanwhile, the Parisian peasants are mad about the rotten food. They're literally tackling musketeers before the palace gates, like throwing all their rotten food over the gates. They're shooting at the palace. Yeah, they don't give a flying fuck. And they're like, we're starving. Do you hear do you hear the people <laughs> sing? No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like D'Artagnan's like, listen, I'm gonna go out there, close the gates behind me. Yeah, I'm like, like okay, D'Artagnan, big balls. Yeah, D'Artagnan has no fear. He rides out there in front of this entire town worth of hungry Parisians, and like he's just staring them in the face, and all of a sudden a tomato comes hurling towards his head. Catching the rotten tomato on the sword. And then, like, he takes a bite off of it. You're right. It is rotten. I'll speak to the king myself. Give my word on it. 
if I had been a rioter and I watched him take a bite of that tomato and him go, yep, it is rotten. I would have lost my fucking mind. <laughs> of course it's rotten, D'Artagnan. Why the fuck do you think we're doing this? That's why we're throwing it at you instead of eating it. Lauren Fraser is here as one of the king's side ladies. She's literally just here to be another woman he's courting. Um, King Louis finishes. Stop! Gets out of bed and looks at her like, why are you still here? Oh, no. I'm hungry. And he she... really does. By the way, you're leaving tomorrow. Because he wants to move Christine into the palace. I think he just has like, every week he just installs a new lady. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Uh... And like he goes down, he's got. I love that in this palace, he's got his own, you know, labyrinth of secret passages behind the walls for the king's security. There's a huge portrait of his father on the wall. I think that's weird, <laughs> having a portrait of your daddy overlooking your bed, and it's a door. Yeah, <laughs> God. He goes down to another bedchamber of his. He emerges into his own bedchamber through the wardrobe. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that just great. I love that. Tired of the room you're in? Just open a wall. <laughs> it's like Clue. I know. Anyway. And then D'Artagnan comes into his bedchamber through another hole in the wall. Yeah, and he, I love it because D'Artagnan literally starts this conversation by saying, listen, your highness, could you not be such a slut? Yeah. <laughs> D'Artagnan's basically just like, listen, all these women, do you love any of them? And... <laughs> Louis' only response is quite frequently, yes. <laughs> oh my god. And I'm like, oh, I hate the charming DiCaprio of it all. I know, because he's still got that Titanic face, right? I know. You want to love him so bad. It's sad he died a couple years later. <laughs> oh my god. And uh, D'Artagnan's just like... How do you know that when a woman gives you her most intimate embrace, that it is you and not your crown that she pulls to her heart? You think my affairs are empty? I think that it is possible for one man... To love one woman all his life and be the better for it. Yes. D'Artagnan, you oh. want to talk about it, babe? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. D'Artagnan wants Louis to be a good man so bad, to be a good king so bad. But Louis's been so emboldened and empowered by his level of power. By himself. Yeah, by himself, given <laughs> to himself, that he believes he just deserves whatever woman he takes fancy in. It doesn't matter if they've got husbands or boyfriends who are risking their lives for the crown at war. I am a young king. But I am king. Then be a good king, your majesty. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then D'Artagnan leaves to the wall. Louis goes out into the hall where Hugh, advisor Hugh Laurie, yellow sash, yeah. is his name. He's like, execute Hugh Laurie and shoot anyone that even raises their voice. <laughs> God. <laughs> Louis ordered Hugh Laurie to issue that food to those people, even though he knew it was rotten, and then he had him killed for it. Poor yellow sash, Hugh Laurie. <laughs> he dies. He's he's gone. We don't see him again the rest of the film. I'm so sad. <sighs> okay, here we go. Oh yeah, this is where it starts to get rough. Poor Raoul. Wait. Please take this to the royal dispatches. Guys, we went to see Cyrano a couple weeks ago at the theater. Send these with the royal dispatches. I know. Heaven is wherever I fall. Send this letter to my wife. Yeah. Oh, oh 
my God. And then you guessed it, Raul gets blown to smithereens. And I'm just like, why? Why? Just because the king wanted to get laid. And then subsequently, Christine gets a message that he has been killed in action. And like, remember, Athos said, this king, if he sends my son to war, is going to be my enemy. And now he has like this renewed sense of vengeance, right? Athos comes to the palace, sword in hand. Oh, this is what French narratives are made of. See, the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, he's ready. To, he's here to slice and dice the king. <laughs> Cannons kill Raoul. Do not add your own death to this tragedy. I beg you. You're the traitor. Athos kills a man and gets away with it. D'Artagnan lets him leave. <laughs> like, okay, after this whole debacle, Aramis is like, come, come, friends. Let's meet in the catacombs. Yeah, I have the OG4 literally meet in a tomb in Paris. Yeah. We have Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan. The homies are gathered again once more in the catacombs. (laughs) I love the energy. And Aramis is like, listen, Louis wants me to find the leader of the Jesuit order. (laughs) And for God and for France, kill him. (laughs) I love this so much. But Aramis is like... Oops, it me. I'm the general of the Jesuit order. And the other three are like, huh? (laughs) The king wants me to find me and kill me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But Aramis has kind of a stellar plan. His idea is that instead of killing the leader of the Jesuit order, oop it me. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just... Replace the king. And D'Artagnan's like, I love that through my notes, I keep calling him D'Artagnan. Oh no, yeah, I've written Dart throughout my notes because I was sick of trying to spell it. Like the Demogorgon in Stranger Things, <laughs> the little baby Demogorgon from season two. That's That right. Dustin calls Dart after D'Artagnan. <laughs> That's so great. All for one, one for all. You cannot ask me to betray my king. I have sworn an oath. When a king is dishonorable, you are removed from your oath of honor. An oath is an oath precisely because it cannot be removed. Why do you follow him, D'Artagnan? Why? D'Artagnan, why are you friends with him? D'Artagnan's like, I'm with the king. He's like, bye, homies, get dead. But also doesn't say shit to the king about this potential plan that he just heard about. That's the thing. He's so loyal to the king, but he literally did not tell him about an assassination plot in his name. Louis comes to D'Artagnan and is like, huh, you know, Athos came here to kill me yesterday. Oh my god. I didn't know we were in the, my musketeers were in the business of just letting traitors go. (laughs) And D'Artagnan was like, listen, I calmed him down. You don't even have to worry about it. And he's like, no, 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 no. You see, because none of my musketeers can find Aramis, Porthos, or Athos right now. (laughs) And then he's basically like, Kill your friends, please. Yeah, no, seriously. He does not give a fuck if this guy cares about these people. Like, it's so insane. Now Aramis is going to begin to execute his plan to replace the king. These three travel the length of France to get this bitch. Aramis, Athos, and Porthos. They are going to get the man in the iron mask. This is all part of Aramis's plan. Because... There is a reason why this man has been imprisoned like this. Yeah, in an iron mask? So that no one may see his face. Yeah. Before they set off, 
we see this sequence where they are forging a mask of iron that looks exactly like the one the prisoner is wearing. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) When they hold up the mask in front of the flames. Oh my God. With the eyes and mouth all lit up by the fire. It's so rad. We get the whole infiltration sequence where they're going into the fortress. Aramis is dressed up as a portly monk, like a huge monk. He looks like he's 12 months pregnant. He's even got a fake clay nose on. (laughs) Where did the putty nose come from? And a wig. (laughs) He is escorted to the cell where the man in the iron mask is imprisoned and he gets locked in there with him and the prisoner's all like the fuck why are you hi (laughs) why why are you here and then aramis lifts up all his robes and a dead guy falls out (laughs) with an iron mask on yeah the duplicate iron mask it was for the dead guy they fully intend to replace the dead guy with the man in the iron mask and smuggle him out underneath Jeremy Irons' robes. Aramis holds open his robes and is like, okay, get in. (laughs) And so he calls the guards back and he's like, look, he's fucking dead. He just killed over during confession. Yeah. He's dead. And because there's plague about, he encourages the guards to burn the body. And they do. Yeah, they do. As far as they know, the man in the iron mask is no more. And like, meanwhile, the actual man in the iron mask is like hugging Jeremy Irons' sweaty trunk. Yeah. Going back to the boat. And they get out of there with him. It's insanity. They get they get to the shore. They get him out into the sunlight. Oh, the sun. I it, bet it's been so long since he's had the sun on his entire body. There's this, I don't know, they, they take him to this village. I don't know where they're at. Obviously, these men are known to these women who are running this little stop where they're staying at. Like, it could be an abbey or, you know, something like that. It could also be a brothel. Either or. I love them just the same. Yes. Cut to them breaking that mask off of his face. I, 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 I can't, I can't even think, all the itching, all of the oil, all of the hair that's growing under the mask. They finally crack that mask off. They take off the casing and then lift the faceplate off of it. And it's Leo. (laughs) It's also Leo DiCaprio. But it's like Revenant Leo. Yeah, it sure is. You know, all his hair is matted down on his face and I'm like... Oh. I know, it's so horrible to think about the existence he's been experiencing. And like, guys, this man in the Iron Mask is actually Philippe, the twin brother of Louis the Sun King. Why was this done to me? You don't know. What do you remember? I lived in a country house. I had guardians, an old woman and a priest, but but no friends. Then they came and took me to the prison. Who came? A man in black. I never saw his face. The duality of Leo in this role is pretty fucking great. 
It is, actually. That's what I was saying. As we get further along, we see the depth to his acting. However mighty Louis may be, however mighty and self-important Louis may be, Philippe is exactly the opposite. He's so humble and modest and meek. And, like, he just... He... Here's the thing. He spent most of his life in a normal existence. He was raised by an old woman and a priest in a village somewhere. Yeah, and then all of a sudden when he's, like, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, some people come to get him, put him in an iron mask, and then stick him in jail for nothing. A man in black took him away. Yeah, put a pin in that. We get him all cleaned up and shaven and feeling like a human being again. And we all sit down to a little council and... I have beep, beep, beep exposition dump. This is where Aramis explains to Philippe that he is the king's twin brother and that the king, Louis, was the one who made Philippe disappear. Louis Thirteenth was like, oh shit, my wife had twins. I've seen too many kingdoms torn apart by feuding brothers. Let's make one of them disappear. I was summoned to a rear door of the palace where the queen's own priest placed a baby in my arms. Do you understand this, Athos? He confuses me. The queen had given birth to twins that night, and the child I carried was the younger of the two. <coughs> another. It's another. Oh my god. And he sent that baby to live in the country with a priest and an old woman. Queen Anne was told that that child died, mm-hmm. and so was, and you know, King Louis Thirteenth knew that he didn't. Uh-huh. But, like, kept that from his wife. So everyone thinks one child died and Louis lived. Louis Thirteenth, when he dies, when he's on his deathbed, tells Anne and Louis the truth. Oh, my God. About his twin brother. Just trying to unburden his soul. So Louis, who's king. Yeah. Is like, okay, hunt him down. This child <laughs> is like, we're going to hunt him down and we're going to imprison him. And guys, this is, I, I love slash hate this part where Aramis is explaining that he is the one who placed Philippe in the Iron Mask. For my country, for my king, I bought peace with your life and with my soul. Oh, remember earlier when he said forgiveness is the most important thing in the world? I'll say, my God, he robbed this kid of six years of his life just for no other reason than he looked like a king. And Aramis is like, I'm not going to ask you to forgive me right now, but I am going to ask that you switch places with your twin brothers so that we can bring some peace to this fucking kingdom. (laughs) Guys... This is the part of the movie that I like to call the parent trap. (laughs) No. (laughs) Every time, every time John Malkovich looks in the camera and goes, exchanging one for the other? (laughs) It's ludicrous. (laughs) No, sir. What's ludicrous is your accent. And, And, but like, I always think of the parent trap. I'm like twins you know (laughs) athos is against this he's like this is your fucking plan (laughs) this is horrible it will never work like okay aramis is like philippe i need you to soak all of this in right now and decide to go through with it please oh no yeah philippe is their katniss indeed indeed absolutely like katniss didn't want to be no mocking jay but philippe is going to be the new king of france question mark also they send louis 
the mask in the in a box. Yeah, he's informed that the twin brother he definitely knew about in prison has quote died. I'm using air quotes, and he they literally send him the iron mask as proof of his death. And meanwhile, Anne's received a different message. Oh yeah, the queen mother has received the message from Aramis that her twin son is in fact alive. And they've busted him out of prison. I love that we cut to Anne at confession, but it's Aramis. <laughs> I was never brave enough to find the truth when I was told one lie after another. I have raised a son who destroys lives instead of saving them. And I have failed to save a son who died within an iron mask. No, that mask was the creation of Louis. But now God and we have the chance to make a miracle that could strip all masks away forever. <laughs> I love that so much. We have a chance to make a miracle which would strip away all masks forever. Oh my God, don't you? There's the thing, this movie's stupid, but I love it. It's that. well written, isn't it? <laughs> Randy, look at you. <laughs> oh my God. And I love that D'Artagnan shows up when she's crying in the chapel. Oh, and all of a sudden we're kissing! And I know that to love you was a treason against France. But not to love you was a treason against my heart. Then we will both die traitors, D'Artagnan. Oh my good Oh my god. I hate it. I hate it. Those lines are so syrupy, but they work. They're so effective. Back in the village where Philippe is, Aramis is like, okay, we've got three weeks. <laughs> and Athos is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe in a year, okay? <laughs> There's no way this traumatized man is going to be ready to do this, to take on the role of the king in three short weeks. <laughs> and Aramis is just like, you gotta make a king out of him. Aramis is like, yeah, Athos, I'm charging you with getting him ready to do this. So now we get this montage of Athos teaching Philippe how to ride horses like a king, how to conduct himself in court. And again, Porthos is feeling useless. <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna talk about this, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're gonna talk about this. We oh god, okay, throughout this entire narrative, like you said, Porthos has been feeling increasingly useless. And I, guys, he just decides he doesn't want to live anymore. No, Porthos is in the barn, literally trying to fuck three separate people underneath all this hay. Aww. How can you fuck in hay? Oh, I'd be getting sniffly. No, you'd be scratched to hell. I know. And he realizes he can't get it up. Yeah. And this is the final straw for he's, Porthos. He's going to go into the other barn and he's going to try and hang himself. It's not funny, but they want us to think it's funny. Athos sees Porthos walking naked to the barn. <laughs> what is Porthos doing? Walking into the barn naked, or so it would seem. But what is he doing? About to hang himself, I should think. He's been threatening to do it for months. Hang himself? Athos is like, well, are we going to do anything? <laughs> and Erebus is like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> And Porthos goes in, sees a perfectly hung rope from a beam. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, a sign from God. Sorry, guys. TW. Yeah. And he's getting ready to do it. And Athos and Erebus go outside, and Erebus is like, it's fine. I sawed the beam. <laughs> 
hanging from. So yeah, Porthos jumps off his height and he breaks that beam in half. And like, here's the thing, the beam comes down, but so does the rest of the barn. I love this. Well, I'm a genius, not an engineer. They pull Porthos out of the rubble, and he's mad. <laughs> God. And Aramis is like, can you please shut the fuck up now? Yeah, could you please stop trying to kill yourself? And I'm like, wow, Porthos deserves a little better, I think. Uh, yeah, like, listen, I, I think Porthos needs to look inside himself and realize he's not limited to his amount of worth through carnage. Aramis's plan for switching out Philippe with Louis is to make the switch at a upcoming masquerade ball that the king is holding. I, why are we even doing this? Do you know? Doing what? Doing the masquerade. Because it's France. <laughs> okay. And we need to have parties to maintain status. All right. Okay. All right. Cut to Le Ball Mask. <laughs> oh, we are at the masquerade, y'all. If y'all heard the Phantom episode, you know how we feel about a masquerade. We love ourselves a masquerade. And like Leo's costume in this scene, and when I say Leo, I mean... Louis, Louis, Louis the Fourteenth. His costume, the white, the gold, the crown of leaves of golden leaves. It's it's like Caesar. Oh my God! Caesar was notable for his crown of gold leaves. I'm living for the period costumes. <laughs> everybody's dancing. Everybody's wearing masks. You just want to be that busty one with the brat with the dark curls. I really do. <laughs> and Athos and Porthos and Aramis and Philippe are all hidden under masks. And they're dressed up. They're dressed up. They're mincing <laughs> with the crowd. Porthos is disguised as a lady. <laughs> he really yes. I mean, they, everyone in this period has long ass curly hair anyway. How are you going to know with a mask on, right? And what they're doing is Louis has got his new squeeze, this very pretty lady in the gold, and he takes her out on the dance floor and they're psychologically torturing him on the dance floor by letting him glimpse them with the iron mask on. Yeah, like he'll they'll have the iron masks on their face and someone will float in front of them and then they'll just disappear. Yeah. Like they are torturing him on the dance floor. See what, Your Majesty? A mask. I distinctly saw a mask. Well, the ballroom is full of masks, Your Majesty. So the king gets queasy and leaves. <laughs> D'Artagnan goes after him. And he just, I love his face when he's shutting the doors on D'Artagnan. He's like, leave me the fuck alone forever. And so, like, Louis takes to his bed. He lies down because he's obviously had a time. And then the musketeers start going through the secret passages. And they come up on Louis in his room. And Louis wakes up and is like, the fuck? It's judgment day his lights out. It's amazing. Oh my god. So we get Philippe dressed up in Louis's clothes and Philippe put into Louis's raggedy shit. And they gag Louis so that he can't cry out. And like, Philippe, Philippe is wearing the garb of a king now. He's got the crown on, everything. And I love this. All of the musketeers are watching him walk to the end of the hallway so he can rejoin the rest of the party. And I don't remember which one of them says this, but one of them says, 
he has the heart of a king. Yeah. And then he just goes out right into the middle of the everything. And I just like, how do you do that? You're, you're, yeah. you have been in a mask for six years and now you're just going to be a king. He sits down on that throne and is like, continue. Absolutely. It's like nothing happened. Play the same song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the band picks back up. And this is my favorite scene in the movie because this is just so surreal for Philippe. He's trying to act like this horrible king and not blow his own cover, right? And like he's actually doing pretty well. Until 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 Busty Curls trips and falls down at his feet. And like a, like the gentleman he is, and very unlike Louis, he gets up and helps her up. And everybody's like, what? What the fuck? The king just stood up to help a courtier? Phil, you can't help common bitches up. <laughs> Aww, right? You, ca- you can't do it. And then Anne enters. The queen mother. And everyone sees that Anne is there, and everyone is gasping. Everyone's literally like, oh shit, isn't she basically dead? I mean, a little bit. Because she's been hidden from the public for years and years and years. She's been in mourning. Here's my thing. How did they ever expect this to work when D'Artagnan knows what's up? I don't think D'Artagnan quite knows yet what's up. He knows something's not right because the king is back in the ballroom with the queen mother and he didn't realize that he... Had left his bedroom because he, he was he was walking around outside his bedroom. So he feels like something's weird, but I don't think he knows what's going on yet. Like, he because he hears them all screaming, God bless the king and the queen mother, and he's like, huh, what? <laughs> and he goes back in there and sees them. D'Artagnan goes up to... His second in command, that's uh, Captain Andre. Yes. That's Eddie Adderton. How long has the king been back? Some while, Captain. And he like eyes Louis and Philippe eyes him back. And he's like, hmm, yes, hmm, D'Artagnan, it is me. Definitely. <laughs> king Louis. Oh, God. All laughter has to stop, though. Right? It's okay. Everyone's vibing, dancing. It's so loud when she busts in there. That li- I jump every time she goes... Murderer! Murderer! Christine? Christine's like, listen up, everybody! Listen to this shit! And everybody's like, who is this bitch? Who is she? (laughs) She's just accusing him in front of God and everybody of murdering her boyfriend! My God. I wrote to the friend. And the your seal. I wrote as you. Demanding to know why the general disregarded the order to keep Raoul out of danger. He writes back. But your majesty, your last letter ordered me to place him at the vanguard of the assault. Just in front of the cannon. Gosh. You killed Raoul! You killed Raoul! Louis, slash Philippe, pipes up. He goes to her. He's like, take your hands off her. You're hurting her. And he's like, however I have wronged you, I will make amends. And if I was Athos, I would be like, oh, fuck, Philippe. (laughs) We talked about this. Don't be tender. This ain't how Louis acts. Your eyes ask too much. However I have wronged you, I will make amends. 
D'Artagnan looks in his eyes at that moment, he knows. He knows that a switch has been made. He knows that's not Louis the Sun King. Take her to her room. D'Artagnan goes up to Philippe and is like, Your Majesty, we have a security emergency. (laughs) I insist you accompany me. Ah! And Philippe's like, not now. <laughs> There's a party. My guests, I have to stay here. D'Artagnan's like, no, your highness, you're, I really must insist. You're going to come with me right now. <laughs> ah, he knows! And like, meanwhile, the musketeers have Louis, and they're trying to shuttle him into this boat and row away from the depths <laughs> of the palace with him. But they are intercepted by the other musketeers. And this is where we get to see them all fight as a group, right? Yeah. Like, poor gets his groove back in this scene. I am alive again. <laughs> I am Porthos. I find the king. They all get into the boat, but they shut the gate before they can row out. The portcullis. <laughs> and they're all cornered by the musketeers and D'Artagnan steps up with King Fake Louis beside him, Philippe, and he goes... This man is an imposter. This is the imposter. Pull them back! <gasps> and everybody, everybody, every every musketeer in the room's eyes gets super wide and they're like, what the fuck, huh? There's two of them. There's two? No, remember when I said to you, what are the odds that any of them have ever seen a pair of twins before? I mean... Who knows? Like, I don't know about the commonality of twinhood in those days, but (laughs) it's probably not something you saw super often. They are total Dennis Quaid and Natasha Richardson. There are like two of them, both of them. (laughs) There's this tense standoff. And what eventually happens... You kill my king, I kill yours. You kill my king, I kill yours. And yeah, they try to do a trade... But what ends up happening is both Philippe and Louis are left behind with the musketeers while Porthos, Aramis, and Athos escape. I love this next shot because it's done kind of well, but at the same time you can definitely tell because it's Philippe standing looking very meek and Louis surrounding him. But of course it's Leo doing both of them. Yeah, so this is the first time we've seen them on screen together. But they do it pretty well because like you can almost expect in a shot like this when Leo's doing one, when like when Leo's doing Philippe, he has to look at Louis surrounding him. Yeah. And they do look at each other pretty dead on. Like it looks like they're looking at each other. It is very well done. Like they even get the shadow right as Louis comes around him. I love that. And D'Artagnan's like, did you know of a man with such a likeness? Oh, and Louis's like, oh, hell yeah, I did. You knew there was a man of such resemblance? He is my brother. Brother? My twin. My blood. A fact which has kept him alive until now. And D'Artagnan is like, hey, um, like out of the blue, he's like, hey, I never ask you for anything. Spare this man's life. He's your brother. You can't, you can't imprison or kill your own brother. Yeah. And Anne comes running in and runs right up to Philippe and gives him the biggest hug. And like, Louis's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Mom, you were in on this too? He's your brother. I love you both. I love that line. You were a part of this too, mother? He's your brother. I love you both. And your love has meant nothing to either of us. It has meant something to me. 
and he just decks Philippe in the face. Well, everybody's pissing me off. <laughs> and Philippe said, listen, honestly, if you're going to put me back in jail, I would really rather you just kill me. And Louise like, okay, okay, D'Artagnan, take this prisoner and put him back in the mask. Oh! D'Artagnan, you will hunt down Porthos, Athos, and Aramis and bring me their heads, or I will have yours. And as for you, my brother, back to the prison you shall go and into the mask you hate. Louis, Wear it until you love it! Oh, no. God, the pathology of it is so rich. And he's also like, okay, D'Artagnan, now I'm serious. You will go and you will find Aramis and Porthos and Athos and bring me their heads. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, Louis, no, this is not how it was supposed to go. You were supposed to be kidnapped and shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. And I mean, like. I get it. If I'm Louie, I'm not going to allow this to happen to me. (laughs) Yeah. I can't be mad at Louie for not allowing it to happen. I can be mad at Louie for being Louie, though, you know? It's rather easy to be mad at Louie for being Louie. Yeah. Speaking of being mad at Louie, we gotta talk about something. We we gotta deal with something. Um, yeah. Louie's ordered Philippe to be taken away. And in that silence following him leaving the room, we just hear this really terrible noise. Christine's room. And D'Artagnan goes up there, and he finds on the table next to the window a note from Christine to her sister... And then all we see is a rope dangling out the window. D'Artagnan comes right back down to Louis's room, opens up the shutters of his window, and Christine has hanged herself so that she is dangling just outside Louis's window. Oh, it's really bad. It's really bad. It scares the fuck out of Louis, and he's like, get rid of it. Cut it down. He's the worst human being. It. Yeah, it. Her and, name was Christine. And then we cut to a scene of Philippe going back into the mask. Oh, it's so bad. The way he's sobbing and screaming as they put the mask back on him. So horrible. No! 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 So uh, the musketeers are out looking everywhere for Porthos, Aramis, and Athos. And they are all fleeing the law. And they run into the catacombs, right? And they find... Back where they met to make the plan originally? Yeah, and they find a note from D'Artagnan telling them where Philippe is being held and that he's going to have the guard changed. Yep. D'Artagnan is giving them the cheat notes. Aramis digs into a grave and digs out their old issue musketeer uniforms. Because like every, I think that most of us, when it comes to the musketeers, we're used to the red, white, and blue uniforms, right? Mm -hmm. When the literary musketeers actually wore black and red. Red, the The blood blood of angry men. Black, the the dark of ages past. Anyway, and (laughs) I love Aramis, he's so dramatic. Our old uniforms. From our days of glory. I was saving them so that we could wear them in death. 
and so we shot. All right, guys, I don't want to spend forever talking about it. We get a whole nother infiltration scene where we're breaking Philippe out and we get Philippe out and before they know it, they're cornered. Yeah, because the Musketeers and Louis are waiting for them outside the Bastille. I don't I get I don't actually know how that happens. I don't know how Louis figures out that D'Artagnan is leading him right to them. I can't remember how it happens either. I'm sorry. If it at kick and stream, let us know. <laughs> Let us know about a major plot point in the film. But no, yeah, I can't remember how that shakes out either. The five of them, as in Aramis, Athos, Porthos, D'Artagnan, and Philippe, are in a really tight spot. Because the only way out is down this hallway around the corner. Where they're all standing. Yeah, where they're all standing with muskets loaded. And, like, Louis like, D'Artagnan, hey, Listen. (laughs) I knew they would corrupt you. I know they're your friends. I am not angry with you. I knew you would lead me to them, and so you have. Lay down your sword, and I will not punish you. I will let you retire in peace, and I will give your friends a swift execution. If you surrender now! And the five of them are like cowering behind this corner, and they're like, you know what? The hell with this. I am not going to die back here cornered like a rat. And Philippe is like, listen, stop. Guys, barter my life for yours. Yeah, Philippe. Oh, God, love him. And this is where D'Artagnan nuts up. Even if I could give up my king, I could never give up my son. Bum, bum, bum. There it is. There it is, guys. He's their daddy. Louis and Philippe are his sons. So in this case, Louis the Fourteenth. Okay, in this fictional sense, <laughs> Louis the Fourteenth has no right to the throne. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So neither one of them are actually king because they're illegitimate. I, I asked you about this while we were watching it. I'm like, what would you do theoretically in a twin situation? And you said you'd take the one that was born first. And, and it was probably Louis. Yeah, Louis was probably the one born first. That came out first. Uh-huh, which is why they sent Philippe off to the countryside. I don't, I don't know. How, how do you deal with all of the emotions in that moment? I really don't know. And they're all like, what? <laughs> oh. You did what with the queen? D'Artagnan's like, you are my son, and I never knew you existed. And I'm really sorry this has all gone down like this. But <sighs> let us die with honor. Oh, I know. Let us die like this. Like the way they the way they always imagined they would die, right? Defending something they believed in. All for one. And one, one for, for all. all. Why don't we charge them? I trained these men. They will fight to the death. But if we must die, if we must die, let it be like this. One for all, all for one. And they just, they charge down that hallway and the musketeers start shooting and throwing their daggers. You know what I love? A lot of the musketeers are closing their eyes so that they'll miss. Because they don't want to kill some of their own.
hallway gets so obscured. The, vi- the view of the hallway gets so obscured by musket smoke. And the way these five of them are just coming down the hallway at them with such bravery. How the fuck they all survive? <laughs> they all come. I just love the shot of the musketeers walking out of musket fire. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And everyone from Andre to the lowliest musketeer is like, holy shit. They're all fucking alive. I know. And that's when their allegiance immediately switches. Right? From Louis to D'Artagnan. They would rather die than give this horrible king what he wants. Andre salutes D'Artagnan. I know. And then Louis walks up in front of everyone and is like, (laughs) okay, okay, this is how it's going to be. Takes a dagger, starts stabbing after Philippe. D'Artagnan pins him into a wall. He turns around, and Louis gets right back up, goes in to stab Philippe again, but D'Artagnan gets in the way. And Louis stabs D'Artagnan in the back. He's mortally wounded. His own daddy. His own daddy. He killed his own daddy. He doesn't even know. Yeah, I know. He doesn't even know. Philippe's like, get this fucking thing off of me right now. Yeah, get this mask off of me. And, and like- they do. I love it when D'Artagnan, because D'Artagnan's basically looking at them both and he's like, you are my sons. I love you both. And like, I love D'Artagnan's final words. Sometimes he'll, sometimes, you're right about the phrase. Sometimes they will say it backwards. We all say all for one and one for all, but he says one for all and all for one. But like, he only gets to say half of it before he dies. Yeah. And he goes, one for all, all, and then dies. And I'm like, good. That's all it should be. One for all. (laughs) One for all. That's it. Sorry. (laughs) You think that's poetic. Yes. That's it. That's all you need to say. Because it's the all for one that got him killed, right? Yeah. Oh, boy. And I'm like, oh, daddy, no. (laughs) And Philippe says the twas beauty that killed the beast line. He did not say that. He goes, you were the one in the mask. Oh, my God. Oh, because he was. The drama. And oh, Andre, he holds a sword up to Louis's throat. And he goes, all my life, all I ever wanted to be was him. All he ever wanted to be was D'Artagnan, the most respected musketeer in the king's order. All my life, all I ever wanted to be was him. And he died protecting someone who was not you, asshole. <laughs> All the other musketeers finally burst in, and around the corner comes the musketeers and seemingly Louis. <laughs> I love this so much. They've switched Philippe and Louis's clothes again. Your Majesty, the imposter. And he's like, no, no, I am the... And they, sh- they punch him in the gut to shut him up. <laughs> and Louis Philippe. Yeah. Philippe's like, take this man and put him where no one will ever find him. Let him be fed by a deaf mute and feed him well. And I'm like, oh, that's awfully convenient. (laughs) I mean, hey, Philippe is not going to subject him to the same level of care that he was, right? Talk about absolutism. They just have to follow whatever orders he gives to the T. And they're like, okay, what about these fucks? (laughs) Talking about Aramis and Porthos and Athos, Louis Philippe is like, 
They are my royal council and my most trusted friends. He makes he immediately gives them so much power. I know. And like, guys, it's it's starting to wrap up. I love that it's not petering. You yeah. know what I mean? We're burying D'Artagnan. Yeah. It's a nice little grave with a nice marble stone on it. It just says D'Artagnan. But with the ma- the iron mask carved into it? Because he was the one wearing the mask. What an interesting choice. Yeah. You'd think they would have put, like, I don't know, the musketeer's emblem in it? <laughs> but I don't know. And, like, I just, I love, okay, the fi- the morning fits? These are my favorite costumes. The black, all black morning fits? The fits that Philippe and Anne are in, I'm like, it's peak morning because it's both downcast but so in style. Like flamboyant. I'm having a Versace moment. Like <laughs> That is one of the weirdest notes you could ever end this episode on. Like you just want to pan into the corner and see Versace fast clapping. <laughs> and like the musketeers are like, okay, let's leave them to be alone with dad. And like they start to walk away and Philippe's like, Athos, wait a minute. And he comes up to Athos and is basically like, Will you be my daddy? (laughs) Let me love you like a son to a father. And I pray you live for this. To love me like your son. And Athos is like, "Eh, sure. (laughs) This might as well happen. This might as well happen. I don't have a son anymore. You don't have a dad anymore. I mean, if you're going to have a son, it might as well be the king, right? I taught you how to be a king, sure. (laughs) Why the fuck not? And then, like, the musketeers start walking away by all the other ones on horseback, and they get a salute. Musketeers! Salute! One for all! All for one! Oh, it's so nice! And the music's swelling, and we see that D'Artagnan's got a full view of the Sun Palace at his grave. And that's when Aramis starts in his voiceover again. The prisoner in the Iron Mask was never found. It was whispered among his jailers that he received a royal pardon and was taken to the country where he lived quietly, visited often by the Queen. The king known as Louis XIV brought his people food, prosperity, and peace, and is remembered as the greatest ruler in the history of his nation. I have one thing to say. <laughs> I knew you were going to have something to say about Louis this. Louis XIV was not regarded as the greatest ruler in the history <laughs> of his country. They want you to believe that because we've switched him out with Philippe. Factually, historically, in reality, Louis XIV was despised by the people of France. He absolutely was. Because he was a dirty, absolutist imperialist. Obviously, this is Dumas's romances, you know, like... He's going to romanticize the the era and what the sovereign means to the era. He's truly embracing the position of when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Yeah. Like, you Come know, on. Yeah, I mean, it's the honor and the fealty we love about the Three Musketeers, right? Yeah. Their belief in something larger than themselves. They just want to serve a good king. Yeah. Knights and kings. Knights and kings. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been our I think that's been our theme throughout the entire month, you know? Is that we want to serve something good. We want to serve a larger, better purpose than we could achieve ourselves, right? Like, 
You know, William in The Knight's Tale, he wants to be a knight more than anything else in this world because it means respect. It means respect. It means Shannon Sosaman. It does mean Shannon <laughs> Sosaman. You're right. And then we have Lionel in The King's Speech who is providing a completely different form of service to a king. He Because he knows he can be great and wants him to be. Yeah. I mean, like, Lionel, I know we didn't put a fine enough point on it in the episode, but Lionel's a knight, for God's sake. He was one of the only members of an order of chivalry that was in direct service to the royals, right? Yeah, yeah. So Lionel was our knight, and the musketeers were our knights in this movie. Knights and kings. Knights and kings. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to serve a greater purpose for the betterment of the world. And then in the 19th and 20th centuries, we destroyed all the monarchies. Yeah. Sorry about that, knights and kings. (laughs) Everything you fought for was tough. But then again, I don't know that it was a great system anyway, so... (laughs) We can be knights. We could. And we can serve not kings, but ourselves. That's right. Be knights for yourselves, guys. Be a knight to yourself. (laughs) Live with honor for your neighbors. Absolutely. There is no more nobler a cause. Again, Lucas, thank you for the theme. We didn't realize it would turn into this, but it did. I'm glad. I've had fun this month. I've also had fun this month. At least recording. I've not had fun in reality, but I've had fun (laughs) recording this month. Next month's going to be even more fun, though, right? It is. Oh, my God, guys. Are you ready to unpack some religious drama? Oh, my God. Guys, next month, we're going to be doing Bible stories. But in a fun way. In a fun way. We promise you it's a fun way. What better way to cover Bible stories than to do all gay musicals? (laughs) It's not all gay musicals, and you know that. Musicals are gay, though. I'm kidding, no. No, but everything this month is going to be a musical, guys, so buckle in. Buckle up. We might only do three of them to spare you, and maybe some bonus content if you're a little (laughs) onion patron at the five. Yeah, it's going to be a packed month for us, guys, but why don't you go ahead and tell them what we're doing next? Folks, next week we are going to be covering the 1998 biblical musical adaptation of Exodus, the story the prince of Egypt. (laughs) Sorry. Guys, it's going to be a great week. No, we love this movie, don't we? Oh, God, for being... We've always had this movie. For being non-Christians, we eat the shit out of this movie. I love Exodus. I love Genesis. I love... I love the book of veggies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, guys, it's going to be a great series of picks for you this month. I can't wait. In the meantime, guys, you can go follow us on Twitter at KickAndStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's, rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Sorry, Raul. <laughs> he got the raw deal. He really did. He was the he was the bravest fuck in this movie. <laughs>